once again, the banks control who they want to loan to, and they're loaning to people that are going to help support their salaries and benefit them. So the people on the bottom level, uh, 500, uh, I don't even say 200 employees or less, are left out of the conversation, which happens a lot. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatter, a podcast from The Gist, with me, Josh Hamilton. Janice Deloach, the author, serial entrepreneur, and founder of the Black Shopping Networks, was my guest on today's show. Janice has been creating businesses for three decades, and it was a really cool opportunity to talk to someone who was a truly self-made success. We talked about her new venture, the Black Shopping Networks, her advice for young budding entrepreneurs, and much, much more. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description below. So, here's Janice Deloach. Janice, it's an absolute pleasure to to, to get to interview for uh, for my show. Thank you. Thank you, Josh, for allowing me to be on here with you today. Excellent. Well, um, when, when you give me like a little, a little background to yourself, what was, what was it like opening your first business? It was a beauty school, but do you want to, you know, give me a bit of a background and sort of a, an idea of where you started from? Um, sure. So I say that I'm a serial entrepreneur and that um, I try to, find businesses or create businesses that help solve problems that I have, but also help support and resolve problems that I feel other people may be having or experiencing similar to, to what I'm going through as well. My first business, my first official business was a pantyhose. I'm sorry. My first official business was a modeling agency called the visa fashion agency. And that fashion agency was created out of the experience I had going through the John Casablanca's modeling school and finding that there really weren't any opportunities available for models who were five foot four female and Afro-American at that time. Um, And so I did the Visa Fashion Agency, which was my first business. And then I went into event planning called City Search, which uh, before City Search was actually popular, I should have probably trademarked that name. I didn't. They got that one for free. Um, (laughs) But City Search was really an opportunity so that the models I was training had somewhere to perform and had an opportunity for people to see them and give them other opportunities. Uh, so, uh, in doing that, I also became a casting agent somewhat in that, um, people would send, um, opportunities and positions that they were looking for, uh, models or actors or talent for one of them was candid camera was a, do you remember that show? I mean, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, candid camera was a really good, um, a good contract for me in that a lot of the models would be fill-ins for some of the actors and, and um, they would use models to fill in. And actually some of the models were actors. So they ended up kind of doing 
Well, they did do quite a few jobs for Candid Camera with me through Visa Fashion Agency. So did that for a while, got into pantyhose vending machines out of my frustration with not being able to find pantyhose on my way to a job interview because I was still working part time. And uh, they, I, I had to go to the interview with the whole in my pantyhose, or I had to go find somewhere that I could actually get pantyhose and put them on and go back to the interview on time. Now I know you're a guy, so this is probably like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at the time as a female, that was the crisis that I was, you know, I was dealing with. And so I thought, well, if I'm having this issue, how many other women are having the same issue that I'm having? And, um, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, if I had a vending machine in the bathroom that I could go in and put my money in and get what I needed and be professional for this interview um, or at church or at the airport, you know, a lot of the flight, the flight attendants wear hosiery and, you know, so they can't change them or, you know, get them unless they stop at a store. Because some of, some of the airports, I know BWI did not even have a store that sold hosiery at the time. And I know that because I went out there and did a survey on it. And so I thought, well, you know, these airports don't even have hosiery that women would be able to buy even at the airport. So if they had my vending machines there, that would really be good for all of the working women who are flying through the airport going to uh, wherever it is that they're going. And turns out it really was a good opportunity for me. Uh, BWI airport uh, proved to be a really good contract. But I also got another contract with... um, Stephen Bashotti, who is the owner of the NFL Ravens football team. Okay. They were one of my first corporate accounts. And um, because he also owns staffing buildings, we well, has a staffing company that had um, a, a number of women in the building. And uh, one of their women saw my interview on a local TV program and called me. And that's how I ended up partnering with um, Stephen Bashotti's Aerotech, his staff, staffing company. Um, that was um, my first contract and opportunity with them, which was really a great opportunity for me. So I'll pause there if you want, just in case you, if you have any other questions. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're clearly like very, very driven to, to, to create like businesses or and like you said, like to solve problems that you have in your life. Like where does that, that, that desire to solve those problems come from? Like, like who, who or what made you realize that you know, trying to think of things that solved your problems would, would make like a great business model or just a great way to, to find new ideas for, for businesses? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, that comes from my family. My father uh, has had a very, very strong work ethic and he made sure that that was something he instilled in me growing up and my mother as well. But my family... Uh, a lot of it was just really watching them work. My father worked for Bethlehem Steel Company and the Coppers Company, which at the time were two of the largest shipbuilding companies um, in the state. And he also owned his own taxi cab and drove a taxi cab part time. And he just always wanted to make sure that he had what he needed for for himself and for his family and that we never were at lack for anything. And I have to admit, I am very grateful to my parents because that my childhood and my upbringing were wonderful. I mean, I don't, I, some people always cry about the way they were raised. I don't have that complaint. If I had to go back and do it again with those same people with the same experience, it would be absolutely fine with me. But he always 
instilled, you know, hey, if you guys want something, you you know, you have to work for it. And don't complain about something if you're, if you're not willing to roll up your sleeves or sit down and figure out a way to solve the issue and um, resolve, you know, resolve the problem. And so um, my, my mother would be complaining about something and I would complain and I was complaining about the model in school. He's like, well, you know, do something about it. If you don't like what they have, then create something that you do like. And that really always stuck with me. And that's how I ended up getting into a lot of the businesses that I got into and um, kind of fast forwarded even today to the blackshoppingnetworks.com came out of my frustration with uh, going to other shopping networks and asking them to carry my book, The Autobiography of an Entrepreneur. And I was really very disappointed in not not only did they not take my book or my pantyhose products when I had those, but they don't even acknowledge the fact that I exist. So they don't even send a thank you note or say thank you for submitting or, you know, I'm glad that you thought of us, but at this time we're not taking on any vendors, just nothing. So um, it made me realize that to them, I, I really didn't matter at all. And um, I think I really got tired of waiting for validation from people who didn't think that I was worth the time or quite frankly, didn't care. And so I know that if I was having that issue out again, I wonder how many other people who were having that issue. And I won't even, in this instance, I won't even necessarily say that it's because I was a black woman. I just feel that they have a monopoly on the market and they feel that they can do whatever they want to do because they don't have a lot of competition. And so instead of complaining and writing letters to senators who probably aren't going to resolve that issue, I said, well, you know what? I'll create my own platform to serve a community of people who have been starving for their own voices and their own identities for such a long time. And that was before the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which is very important, but also Black businesses matter as well, too. And I think that people lose sight of the economic disparities mm. that black and brown people and women face. And so, um, again, that was my motivation for launching the black shopping networks dot com. Mm. So uh, why then? So, so calling it the black shopping network is, is a very sort of it's it's quite a statement in, in a way that, that you're suggesting that um black businesses are either being ignored or need this foot up in in the in the business or in the the sort of in this industry like why did you think that was and uh, do you think like what 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 did you hope to 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 solve with with creating the the black shopping network absolutely black businesses are being ignored uh they have been ignored lar for a large amount of time and so this is going to go back a little bit to your last question. Where did my work ethic come from? It, it did come from my father who instilled, you know, if you want something, create it, grow it. And watching my family, uh, my aunts, my uncle, my grandmother, my niece, my father and I work this small business as a family in a community that supported the community and the community supported us creating relationships that were meaningful around that business uh, is another skill that I learned as a child and from my family growing up. 
And um, you're right, black businesses, it is a statement that I'm making. Um, when you go to agencies like the SBA or SCORE, they have records to tell you how many people have come into their offices and signed up and signed in, but no records to tell you six months later what happened to those businesses, how many were women owned, how many were black owned, how many were Hispanic, and nobody has been holding them accountable to measuring those results and making a change that would put forth an effort to support women and minority-owned businesses. And I know this again through my own experiences with the Entrepreneur's Edge TV show, the Pantyhose Vending Machine, and my own fashion agency. So um, in creating the BlackShoppingNetworks.com, I got tired of waiting for other people to give us the opportunity to be on a level playing field. And I don't discriminate against other people. That's not my, my agenda at all. Mm. Um, and I don't discourage other people from shopping the black shopping networks.com, but it is important that, and I gave, just gave you my story about how with my own book, I had several uh, you know, occasions where I had written to other networks and asked them to carry my product and they did not, didn't even acknowledge me. So I know that if I was having that issue, I can only imagine that there were other black and women owned companies, black and brown businesses, women owned companies who were having the same issue. And so in creating the blackshoppingnetworks.com, I'm connecting the dots with other black and brown businesses in different states around the country, in the country, out of the country. I am giving them access to um, AI, e-commerce, marketing, and advertising at an affordable price. Um, and the, also when these vendors or merchants are on the platform and other people are shopping the platform, my intention is to take a portion of the proceeds that we make from the blackshoppingnetworks.com and invested immediately into the communities that we are in, uh, supporting scholarships for business startups, supporting scholarships for minorities, for women, um, and making sure that we find a way to create jobs through these businesses, but also help people get certifications to be in business. And then at some point, I want to go back and work on lobbying Congress to change laws that leave women, minority, and black and brown businesses out of the conversation. Uh, for example, the PPE program, you heard the Paycheck, Paycheck Protection Program mm -hmm. that just happened this year through um, <laughs> Donald Trump and the stimulus package. Mm. And so when they said, oh, there's all this money for PPE, well, that's true. Mm. It's for small businesses. But if your classification of a small business is a business that has 500 or fewer employees, uh, in my mind, 500 is not a small number. No. <laughs> 500 is a large number. Yeah. Five is a small number. So when you have all these companies like the L.A. Lakers and Ruth Chris Steakhouse and um, Bank of America, uh, and I forget one of the other ones, just these really large companies who are getting 20 million, 10 million, 5 million, um, 50 million, 
Yeah. Because they yeah. had 500 employees. And now you're out of money because the company that has five employees or 10 employees didn't matter to you. And guess who those companies belong to? Disproportionately, black and brown businesses and women. And so once again, we are left out of that conversation. So the blackshoppingnetworks.com will serve a community that is starving for their own identity, who are starving for their own ownership, and looking for a level playing field that uh, I feel I have created. Now they have to support it. So again, don't complain about what you don't have because now I've created something that you do have. You have to support it. So here's my call to action to all of those small businesses that are women owned, that are black and brown businesses. And again, I am not a discriminatory person. Um, I feel, I actually, even with the with my um, vending, with I'm sorry, with my um, fashion agency, most of the models were. It was a very diverse group of people. I had white people, I had black people, I had short women, I had tall guys, I had Asians, I had Chinese people. I had the first full figure model before full figure was all the rage. So um, <laughs> it's never really been about me discriminating against anybody else. It's always been about me finding ways to include everybody. And the BlackShoppingNetworks.com, again, is that same, that same vehicle, same model that I'm using. So, mm. so do you want to do you want to just give um, people like a little bit more of an idea of what what the 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 Black Shopping Network as a product actually is? So, so you said you were going to to um, like big shopping networks and trying to get them to to carry your book or your your vending machine products or or whatever it was. Like, what what exactly are they providing for you? Um, and then, yeah, and what are you then providing as a as a service to to the small businesses coming to you? Like what? Because I mean, for for me from the UK, I mean, I, I can't think of an equivalent that we have that isn't like a physical place, uh, like a market or or a shopping center. Um, so I, I just yeah, I'd, I'd like to to get you to, to to give us a better idea of of what the the shopping network actually is and what you're providing for people. Okay, so the Black Shopping Networks provides uh, access to AI, which is the back end, that's your administrative piece, mm-hmm. uh, e-commerce, uh, marketing and advertising uh, to the community and as a whole. There is, uh, we do a flat fee, uh, and depending on how large your company is, we would do percentages. If, for example, your company is doing $250,000 or more a year in sales. Mm -hmm. Now, why that's important is because when you're on, uh, say, Amazon or QVC or Home Shopping Network, you have to have so many pieces of your product available before they will even agree to put you on on their platform. And then once you are actually on their platforms and you have all this product, they also take a percentage of your sales. So you're paying to be on, you're paying to have all this product, and they're getting a percentage of your sales. When you're on those shopping networks, they are not promoting you. They're promoting their network and you being on their network. The blackshoppingnetworks.com partners with you. So, for example, Josh Hamilton Hats is in partnership with the blackshoppingnetworks.com. It's not, hey, you can find me on Amazon 
and here's my link. Totally different. Um, when you, the other thing is, uh, this is another really, this is a great thing about the blackshoppingnetworks.com. It is coming from a black woman who is a serial entrepreneur who has, who has had some success, also some failures. I've failed a lot, but I've always failed up. And each time it shows me what I should do, could do, didn't do, need to do. When you think of the larger platforms, like I said, Amazon and GDC and HSN, you have a, you, you don't think sitting behind them is a person who has this great idea that will serve a community of people who really need their own voice. You think about suits, you think about boardrooms, you think about a whole bunch of people sitting around a table discussing how to figure out how to get your money from you and grow their business and make it all about them. So we are different in that. You have an experience from an entrepreneur. You have an experience from a minority perspective. You have an experience from a, a women's perspective. And you also have my experience as an upstart. <laughs> because the Black Shopping Network is a start. It launched this year in 2020. And I saw something recently, one of the networks, shopping networks that um, I speak of, said, oh, we're going to feature our 13 black entrepreneurs. Now, if you've been in business for over 20 plus years, and you could only come up with 13 black businesses on your platform, hello, everybody. <laughs> that speaks volumes right there mm -hmm. about disparities that black and brown and women-owned businesses have versus those that do not so i mean that's a great answer <laughs> um so did you have uh someone that that like mentored you or or some someone who you would go to for for advice like or was it very much kind of a, a figuring things out on your own kind of kind of deal as much as I'd like to tell you guys that I'm really a genius <laughs> <laughs> and that I was just born this brilliantly, I am not. I am really great with creative ideas, but a lot of it has been trial and error. I have had some wonderful mentors. I have had people like Linda McMahon from the Women's, the World Wrestling Federation. No way. Yeah. <laughs> So like I said, I'm a very diverse person. I have always been, and I've had great people all along the way who've helped me and given me advice. And, you know, they couldn't hold my hand for every process, but they shared some things that were important. So I do have people like Linda McMahon from the World Wrestling Federation. I've got Les Brown, who is a motivational speaker around the world. I have had um, Dionne Warwick, who just, I also do a radio show, and on the Radio One Networks in Baltimore on Wednesdays from 4.30 to 5 p.m. And I've had uh, Dionne Warwick. I just had Janice Bryan-Halroyd, who was the first African-American woman billionaire on my show just this week. So um, I've got Steve Forbes, who sent me Christmas cards for at least for three years in a row. And we've done interviews together, and I've talked to him about my ideas. And I have had an idea, a conversation with Rupert Murdoch, where I said, look, you know, you guys really need to create a channel about business, which they didn't have at the time. And then, I don't know, in 2005, guess what? They had a channel that was all about business. Hmm. Wonder where he got that from. Anyway, 
Um, and even that in itself speaks volumes too. When you look at business, people on television talking about business, there are very few minority journalists talking about black businesses or women businesses. Um, and so I've had some really great mentors and some really great people who've given me great advice. I've done a lot of it through trial and error. Um, and then some of it has just been my own wisdom through my own experiences that I've learned to do things differently. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you definitely, you definitely got some, the company of some, some fantastic people there. I mean, I'm the, the, the former uh, childhood wrestling fan in me wants to know what you learned from Linda McMahon, if I'm honest. <laughs> okay. Well, she used to be um, in, in charge of a group. Uh, I forget the name now. Um, 200 women, women, 2000, something like that. And she, at the time I was doing the pantyhose vending machines and we were trying to think about strategy in terms of how I get these out to the market. And uh, one of the advice, uh, some of the best advice that she gave me was to talk to women groups who a lot of these women were business owners or like managed these huge companies that had office buildings with a lot of women in them. And that was actually um, some advice that I did get from, from Linda McMahon. So well, that's pretty, that's a cool. That's a, yeah, it's a you, you know it's a very very fair point. I mean, you sort of you target target the audience instead of you know trying to trying to advertise the product everywhere. It's yeah. mm -hmm. it's, it's not exactly a bad idea. So, how did you get started in um, in media and and radio and and TV? Like, what what made you want to switch from sort of designing physical products to then um, going into to media and and sort of selling you you as a product essentially? So um, my frustration with not getting funding through organizations like the SBA and SCORE, the Service Corporation of Retired Executives, which is funny because the Service Corporation of Retired Executives, right? That means you retired from something that somebody else created. <laughs> you didn't actually create it, right? <laughs> so I'm, I would always ask them, how can you tell me how to run a business if you've never really created a business you run something mm. that somebody else developed and created and grew and made successful uh they didn't like that question <laughs> so a lot of times they wouldn't answer it <laughs> and then there was the minority business development authority minority business development authority mm. so when i go to you and i say i have a pantyhose vending machine i need you to help me develop it develop it and I need the authority to find money to pr produce these machines and put them out and you can't help me, then uh, again, my question is, why are you here? <laughs> so if you're the minority, I'm a minority, I'm in business, I need developing, I need financing, then what can you do for me? And if you can't do that for me, then I'm trying to understand your relevance. So they didn't like that question either. So just to be fair, I, some black people are really pissed with me too because I'm questioning them as well. Like if you're getting money to do this and you're not doing it, then what are you doing? Um, even with Black Lives Matters, it's very important to me. But it also matters to me that if people give you money to uh, reduce problems that black people are having in this country, then I need to know what you're doing with that money and 
what you're doing to resolve the issues that we're currently having. Hmm. Are you changing policies that allow police officers to murder people and get away with it? Because that's a policy that needs to be changed. And that's and if you even notice, uh, sometimes this stuff just depresses me and I really don't look at it as much as I probably should. But if you can convict police officers in Minnesota, but you can't in Alabama, hmm. why? And the reason is because of the policies that are on the books with regard to the discipline, the uh, discipline, disciplinary action. Sorry, guys, for some reason I can't talk today. The disciplinary action is different in one state than it is in another state. And so here's where Black Lives Matters should really be looking at things like policy. And so I just feel like accountability is an important thing, whether you're talking about um police brutality, whether you're talking about business and economics, um, being clear about resources. And when you have agencies like the SBA, who's getting $100 million a year, well, you're getting $100 million a year, but who did you help? How many businesses were successful because you guys had $100 million? Where are they? If I can walk into your office in January and you don't know where I am in June and nobody's holding you accountable of it, it's a problem. So, um, I'm sorry. Your question was <laughs> no. I don't, don't want to interrupt you there. You want to, you want a good uh, a good go. It's 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 nice to hear you sort of calling for um, evidence ba- or sorry like like evidence and and like calling for people to be accountable with whatever they're they're sort of wanting to put forward. Um, hopefully, like that's a is a really good point as well about what Black Lives Matter sort of should be should be focusing on. Is is very much a like get get the policy changed um i think that the one to make the big ones is is qualified immunity um with police officers um being like basically yeah immune to to prosecution for what they do on the job and then there was um i cannot remember for the life of me the name of of the the girl or the woman who who was shot uh during a drugs raid taylor um that was yes brianna taylor that's the one um Mm -hmm. that the, the the problem one of the big problems at the minute is the is in in Kentucky is the difference between is the sort of conflict between the the stand your ground laws and the no knock warrants where mm-hmm. the 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 guy i think it was her boyfriend had had total had like the right to stand there and uh because of the stand your ground laws and okay. and you know basically the right to, to to think that someone is coming into his house when there was no knock and and his house being broken in but at the same time the police have this law where they have a no knock warrant where they because they're scared of people getting rid of evidence and the conflict between the two of them makes it like a just an absolute legal clusterfuck to try and deal with um, right. Right. Yeah. And that's that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I bring that up. If we're going to be lobbying for something and fighting about something, we have to know what we're fighting for and why it is important. And I think that was what your question was about yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and even with me, when I advocate for these. So, again, I am very inclusive in that I don't discriminate against. Oh, you, the question was what mentors I had and what advice I had received. And um I, you know, I, I've had a lot of great advice from, um, I'm friends with the Asian Chamber of Commerce. I'm friends with the president of the Chinese Chamber of Commerce and the sisters of Shimon. And I have, um, I'm, you know, I, I have a lot of really cool relationships with a lot of different people across the board. Because at the end of the day, I think everybody knows that I'm about being fair. I'm about creating opportunities that 
uh, help and encompass all people. And really in a world that says that we want to support all people, I can't understand why we're still, you know, dealing with this, you know, this late in the game. It just seems so crazy to me. And so when you tell me that you are uh, the Minority Business Financing Development Authority, I want to know why you can't help me get financing. And then when you tell me that I need my personal credit, well, why do I need my personal credit if this is about the business? They're two separate entities. Mm -hmm. And even that is a, is a barrier that women and minorities and poor people, frankly, are discriminated against. Because if your father could write you a million dollar checks, well, you know, then you could be president. A little small loan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I could write you a check for a million dollars, I could run and be president tomorrow. So how about that? You know, so uh, it, it's a mess. And I'm trying to do my part and um, trying to support people um, the best way I know how. Fortunately for me, my lane right now is business and entrepreneurship. It always has been. And all of my businesses have always led me to doing something better um, and improving on what I did or learned from the, the time before um, and correcting things that need to be corrected or inventing things that haven't been um, just mostly out of my own frustration with uh, the way people in the world are reflected. And I mean, look, I've had, <laughs> like I said, one thing about me, I piss off a lot of people <laughs> across the board, <laughs> you know, um, even black millionaires are mad with me right now because I want to know why if you guys have a million dollars, why aren't you guys stepping up to invest in the communities and cities? Each one of you could put one million dollars up a piece and change the whole dynamic for black and brown businesses in that city if you choose to do so. It's their money. They can do what they want. But again, I just feel like we if you can fix things, then stop complaining about them. That is really what it's all about for me. Mm. So your quote is saying, um, I had problems that all minority women entrepreneurs faced. No support from the financial community or access to critical AI operation platforms for my businesses to grow and to succeed. Do you want to sort of give us a few more examples or like a, maybe a specific example where you, you kind of went, wow, this is like, this is because um, I'm black or because I'm a woman. Um, and I really feel like these people aren't giving me a fair hearing. Do you have like a specific example of, of, of when you when you felt like that, that, that really sort of pushed you to that? Absolutely. Um, when I was doing the pantyhose vending machines, I went to the SBA and I went to SCORE and like I said, the Minority Business Development Authority. Uh, and actually, I'll tell you how I got help. I was working with a group called Women Entrepreneurs of Baltimore who had created and they really were cutting edge. Uh, and I will say this to people listening. When you get tired of dealing with government bureaucracy and red tape and frankly, a whole lot of BS that isn't going to mean anything for you at the end of the day, try looking into your community's small women's groups or small minority groups, because a lot of times some of them have their own seed money that they give to entrepreneurs and support them through their own groups, even if it's something as simple as $50, you might find a group like I did called Women Entrepreneurs of Baltimore, who gave me a $1,500 loan that I had to pay back uh, over a year. But it gave me uh, capital to be able to get two vending machines made. Mm. So it wasn't a lot. I, 
it wasn't really a lot to make a dent for the machines that I really needed and really do what I needed to do. But I, I was really thankful and grateful that they were there and that they had this fund that was available. They were willing to loan and really help me create a trade line for my business because that they reported to the credit bureaus. And as long as I made my payments every month on time, then my business credit grew. And so if you can't get help from these government agencies, look into finding smaller groups or community groups or even chambers of commerce in your area who may offer um, some kind of small grants or small loans to uh, assist you in moving your business idea along. So um, that was how I was able to do it. And um, the pantyhose vending machine was that vehicle that I learned that on. And I also learned what those larger government agencies weren't doing at the same time. So uh, now also, <laughs> uh, again, when I said that I frustrate people, here's the other thing too, because if you have, you get $20 million and you're a small business agency and they've got offices all around the country. I mean, hundreds of them. But if I walk into your office and you can't even tell me what business formation I should have. Why not? Why don't you have an attorney on staff that can answer basic questions? Why don't you guys have seed money that you can give to people that come in your office, even if it's $10,000 and you give each um, applicant that comes through your door, well, we can't give you 10,000, but we can give you a thousand and you have to pay this back. Why haven't they done that yet? And I'll tell you why again, Nobody is challenging them to be accountable for doing anything. So in, in essence, they get $50,000, $60,000, $80,000, dollars salaries to prove absolutely nothing. And yet the small businesses are supposed to be the backbone of America. Really? Which America? Because it's not the America that I'm living in. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and these are all simple ideas that are so obvious that you wonder why all the brilliant people in D.C. and in these Chamber of Commerces haven't thought of, or did they? And if they didn't implement them, then why not? And if you didn't do it then, then when are you going to do it? Hmm. So I digress. I mean, that the uh, often for like small businesses and whatnot, it can be that, that first leg up that is just the most crucial part. Is that first, like, help someone helping you get, like, that first little step to, to having yourself established in, say, a premises or a prototype or a little bit of cash flow or, you know, to buy stock? Mm -hmm. and You know, it's, it's that first little thing that can, can be so important. But, do you, you know, the, you, you sort of talked about, uh, sort of talked about this earlier as well when you, you were talking about the, the, the bailout money, basically, that came from, from the government this year with, with COVID and, right. and how it was sort of mostly allocated to, to you know be like yeah small businesses um, really like mm -hmm. quite large um you know enterprises do, do you think it's it's um like a an ideological thing that they don't want to help out things that could be a risk uh or do, you know do you think it's more of a case of well we're only gonna we only want to spend our money on proven ideas or you know what do you think's holding back that that desire to to help out small businesses Okay. I do think, 
when they say we don't want to invest in businesses that are a risk, being in business is a risk, period. So that's BS, <laughs> right? Yeah. What happens is that bankers loan to people they have a relationship with. And if somebody is giving me $20 million a year and I'm getting bonuses off of keeping their account running and bringing in money for my bank, then quite naturally, if they're in a bind and I get a whole bunch of money because I want to make sure your business stays afloat, I'm going to loan to you first. I'm going to give to you first. And is it, you know, uh, is it a risk? Well, every business is a risk. Uh, look at the airline industry right now. When COVID hit, nobody was flying. Nobody was staying in hotels. Nobody was on trains. People weren't in restaurants. So what happened to those people? They were viable businesses who were the backbone of the economy. But Ruth Chris got $20 million. Who's eating steak in a pandemic right now where people are trying to figure out how to just feed their family because now everybody who used to go to work is now home. And then people who used to live in other houses are now in the house with you too. So every business is a risk. And once again, the banks control who they want to loan to and they're loaning to people that are going to help support their salaries and benefit them. So the people on the bottom level, uh, 500 I don't even say 200 employees or less are left out of the conversation, which happens a lot when we're talking about government. Um, and did they only want to give to people who had proven ideas? Uh, during this pandemic, you don't know whose ideas are going to work and whose aren't going to work. I mean, JC Penney's is going out of business. Pier One is going out of business. What? Uh, Nemarcus is closing. Really? Uh, Macy's is closing. These were all proven companies that applied for PPE and got it. Whereas the blackshoppingnetworks.com is getting ready to create jobs and save some people's companies. I guess you're still waiting for your check. You know, I never even asked them for it because I know I'm not going to get it anyway because I understand how all the wheels behind the scene work. And while... There are some who might want to convince you that I don't know what I'm talking about. There are a lot who want to say, oh, no. Yes, she does. <laughs> Very much so. So uh, and then really, if it's about investing, improving ideas, the other thing that really irritates me about venture capital companies while we're on the subject of giving out money and who's giving out money and who's getting it. Uh, venture capital companies invest in medical tech uh, pharmacy. Um, those are all important, but so is education. So is, so are the arts. Um, so is music right now. People are home doing what they're watching more television now than they've ever watched before, but somebody had to create that content. Somebody had to create those reality shows and those talk shows and the evening news programs. And so when you don't fund things like arts and music and STEM programs for young kids, 
I mean, children are, are never even in the conversation when you talk about venture capital. It's always medicine, pharmacy, or tech. Um, so once again, here is a disparity that I notice. Even children are being discriminated against in terms of the programs that are available for them. And my God, if anybody creates one more cartoon that's got wizards and witches and warlocks in it, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> because children need to see things that are wholesome. And I really do believe, and this is just my personal philosophy, and this might be a little bit off of the, be, the off of the path that we're supposed to be oh, on. Oh, we don't have a path. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is important to create cartoons and programming that's wholesome, that's nurturing. Um, children don't need to see family guy pulling down his pants I mean, I would argue that Family Guy is not a, not a children's cartoon, and if you're letting your kids watch but, it, then then mm, I mean, <laughs> like, well, I don't, I don't, and I hear what you're saying. You know, parents should also be paying attention to what their children are I watching think, too. I think that's a bigger a bigger thing, especially like when when you can have access to almost anything online. I think watching what is being consumed is 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 more crucial probably now than ever. I mean, before you know, mm-hmm. twenty years ago, you just don't let them stay up past 10 and it was all right <laughs> but i think now it's probably probably a little like i mean yeah we are totally off topic but you know <laughs> um i think no, it's, no, just... it's definitely important to to try and watch what 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 kids what your kids or or what sort of younger people are are consuming especially on on social media you know you there's there's access to to mm-hmm. so much there that you just probably shouldn't have access to and um, being conscious of that is is probably really really important now more than more than ever. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely aware of it, and and so you know, and for people that want to let their children watch it, that's fine. But I I also feel that, um, and this goes back to arts and supporting arts. When you ha- and it's the same thing, just like I'm telling you about the PPE. If you've got a company that's been known to create cartoons and they've been around and been doing it for you for 20 years and now you've got these women who are saying you know i'm looking at teen titans and you basically have a vampire and you've got a witch and you know you've got all these little wizards and things go cyborgs right um if i'm the company that's creating this cartoon and i've been doing this for 20 years with the same company they're not checking what I'm doing now. So whatever I hand in, they put out because I have a 20 year relationship with them. Is it right? No. Should they be checking it? Absolutely. But again, if I am the reason that you can buy a new mansion, then I'm not going to put caps on what you're doing, but it's wrong. Now, if you want to allow them to do that, then fine. But I think you also need to, give other writers and content producers and storyboard artists and animators the opportunity to create something that is wholesome or different because wholesome can mean many things to different people but something that is different they should be able to have the opportunity to do the same thing now i'll tell you why i think that hasn't happened because if you're over here talking about this wonderful, wholesome, great programming that may not get as many ratings and as much sponsor revenue, yeah, I'm not going to put you on. I'm going to go with the other guy 
who's producing all this stuff that's horrible. And, you know, I can bank on that. And this is why, you know, I feel like we have the situation that we have. But anyway, the point is venture capital and that whole industry and even the financial industry itself needs to start looking into other areas that really could be a benefit, even though they may think that they are not. And um, arts matter and music and uh, children and STEM. Mm. So I definitely, I'm an advocate for those things and I really believe in those things. And with the blackshoppingnetworks.com, instead of waiting for everybody else to do that, we're gonna do that too. Mm. So I, you definitely speak in some truth there. It's really funny that the, the interview I did just before we came on was with um, Jesus R, the uh, filmmaker, and he mm-hmm. was talking about his sort of this concept that he's trying to push about how we should be supporting art over algorithms and how, you know, we, we need to, you know, be create like we need to support people who want to create things for the sake of of making great art instead of simply for profit so it's funny that 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 we actually ended up on very much the same topic there um Mm -hmm. there's 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 definitely especially with venture capital i mean being so like the the fact that it's called venture capital capital being in the name sort of suggests that that Mm -hmm. it is all about about money um and i think probably we're gonna have to take a little more time in, in society generally to to invest in things that have something beneficial that isn't simply like solely profit i mean we need i think we probably need, mm-hmm. we need to stop looking at that as the the only metric for something that is worthwhile uh, i say this having to have having spent you know 45 minutes talking to you about business and uh, <laughs> being an entrepreneur but <laughs> right yeah it's fine but um, so if you had to give, say, three tips to um, an up and coming uh, female entrepreneur, uh, what would it be? Like, what would be your three sort of, t- you know, ideas or tips for success in, in 2020? Um, three tips for success. Number one, make sure you have legal agreements and documents in place with everybody from beginning to end, even your volunteers. Um, I had a disgruntled volunteer I had to terminate just recently and they went and deleted my Facebook page which is interesting because I changed the passwords on everything. I'm not really sure how they were able to do that, but they did three different times. So um, make sure that you have the right legal agreements in place. Make sure that you uh, revise them frequently and um, always keep control of your own content and be uh, know everything that's happening in your company, everything, whether you're making money or you're not, because if, uh, tomorrow could come and everything might go through the roof and you didn't anticipate that. And there will inevitably be somebody who will try to take advantage of and capitalize on the fact that you dropped the ball. Now, I know that's really hard. It's, it's easier for me to say that than to do because I understand the plight of startups and smaller businesses with limited capital. 
but somehow find a way to make sure you have your legal documentation in place. Um, I would say too is to make sure that you um, have your business plan and strategy in place. When I look back now, I noticed that a lot of why I failed in certain areas was because really I was flying by the seat of my pants. I knew what I wanted to do and I had this great idea, or at least I thought it was great. I ran with it and um, I wasn't really sure of how everything should have worked, so I failed. Um, okay. And then three, you can't always know. Surround yourself with the best people that you can. Um, we don't always know what kind of people we really have. But what I've done more lately is try to align myself with people who are smarter than me, who could add value to my ideas and my business. Um, and really were in support of what I was doing. Also too, if you can pay people, when you pay people, they are more likely to do the right thing, do the right thing by you, excuse me. Um, then when they volunteer. Now, that's kind of a yes and a no, because I have some volunteers. I have two volunteers that are working with me right now who are awesome. And I do trust them. I believe they really have the best interest of the blackshoppingnetworks.com at heart. And uh, when we get to that place, I certainly want to reward them. Um, but then there are other people that I've had that I'm like, mm, yeah, this probably isn't going to work. But thank you. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, we don't, we don't always know. It's a double-edged sword. You, the only way to know people is for them to start working with you. And if you don't work with them, then you're discriminating against what you think they are. And just because you think that's who they are doesn't necessarily mean that you're right. So I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt unless they prove otherwise. And um, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character and my instinct has always kind of been right on point. Um, there were at least two instances where I can think of, and even then I had signs and my spirit was saying, ah, I don't think you should go with them. And I said, well, you know, I'm gonna give them a shot. And both times, I was right on the money and I didn't go with my, my instincts and I should have. So I think that's the last thing. Follow your instinct and surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, but also make sure these are people who want to see you succeed. And if you can pay them, pay them. I think that they'll be a little more loyal uh, that way. Well, that seems like a, a nice place to, to sort of wrap things up. That's, that's a very nice sort of a good, mm -hmm. good uh, positive note to finish on. Is there anything that you would like to, to plug before uh, we finish up that you haven't mentioned? Um, so I would hope that you guys would listen to my radio show. It's Janice on WOLB 1010 AM on the Radio One Networks. I'm on every Wednesday from 4.30 to 5 p.m. Uh, please go to www.theblackshoppingnetworks, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-S, 
ks.com. Uh, particularly because this year for Black Friday, <laughs> no pun intended, I promise. <laughs> we hope that you will shop with the blackshoppingnetworks.com on Black Friday and you will find uh, some deals and some giveaways that we're going to be doing um, for all people. Uh, shoes are shoes, whether you're a white person or oriental. I mean, a black person made them, they're on this platform, and yes, that's why. But if the shoes are cute, buy them, whether, you know, you're black or not. So there's that. Um, and I encourage people to reach out to me at uh, www.janice.media or we care at theblackshoppingnetworks.com. And you can find me on the social medias, which is another whole conversation. Josh, I'll have to come back and talk to you on, uh, on another day about that. Yeah. But you can find me at um, Janice McLean Deloach on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Janice on TV. On Instagram, it's Janice McLean Deloach. And on LinkedIn, it's Janice McLean Deloach. Uh, but anything that I give away that's free, like free grant information or books or product giveaways, would be on uh, www.janice.media because I am promoting Janice.media and theblackshoppingnetworks.com. So also in the month of November, if you sign up as a shopper, we are doing free giveaways on theblackshoppingnetworks.com. So you might get a free um, lipstick or for the guys, you might get a free pair of socks. But here's the call to action. Go to theblackshoppingnetworks.com and sign up as a shopper and as a merchant. And... Um, in the month of November, uh, you will actually be able to be, we can sign you up for free in the month of November because we want people to know about you and see you and know that you exist. And if you're shopping, it's great because you could get some free giveaways from the merchants and vendors who are on the site. So, all right, guys, here's a recap. Janice McLean Deloach on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, on Twitter at Janice on TV, theblackshoppingnetworks.com, Shop on Black Friday. We've got some special treats, some specials I think you'd like. www.theblackshoppingnetworks.com. And to find more about me, www.itsjanice.media. Not .com, .media. So, Josh, thank no you problem. for allowing me to be on here with you today. Yeah, great. Um, we will put, I will put everything that you've just sort of mentioned there in um, in links are linked in the in the the show notes and whatnot down below for for anyone listening um it'll all be there uh so you, yeah so all the links to that you've mentioned plus um anything else you want to send me over. oh yeah i'm on youtube too i forgot send, send me them over and they'll they'll all be in the in the show notes um, thanks so much for listening if you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list and don't forget my book brexit the establishment civil war is now available for pre-order on amazon You'll find the link in the description below. Until next time, thanks for listening.